Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are on our last episode looking at the best actress goes to theme with Sally Field as our focus. Um, this week's episode will feature Murphy's Romance. But before we get into that, um, this is a podcast called Movie Club, where each month of every year we pick a theme. And we pick uh, one movie for every weekend. So sometimes there's four, sometimes there's five. And uh, the one rule that we have is that we have to have not seen the movie, or at least one of us have to have not seen the movie. Um, this is an effort. Why we started this podcast and this club was to uh, increase our viewing history of films that we hadn't seen. Because I think Corey and I are both pretty bad about rewatching movies, right, Corey? Real bad. Yeah, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because I very much love some of those movies and sometimes I get niche where I need to watch those movies, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling uh, like today I could use a few of my old classics because it's been a, been a long week and I am uh, ready to uh, for it to make some changes here. But um, I'll be heading to New York next week uh, for Tribeca and Corey, you're heading to Atlanta, right? Hotlanta. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I haven't even looked at the weather for New York. I need to actually do that to make sure I pack correctly. But um, you're going for a music festival, though, right? Yeah, I'm going to for Shaky Knees. Um, it was a real good time last year. I'm expecting it to be a good time. This year, I did look at the weather. Looked like it should be in the 70s and 80s. But I think that a couple days we have like 20% chance of rain and one is like 40%. So that should be fun. When I was in New York last year, it basically rained like the whole time. Um, but because of that, uh, Corey and I are going to be recording, uh, two episodes this week. And so we're going to keep them a little more, uh, brief than usual. Um, usually at this point we would get into our extensive list of the other things we've been watching. And I really, I haven't seen as many as I normally do. Like I said, this week has just been a little hectic for me. Um, and, uh, outside of uh, what I'm showing to my students, which even that I've missed a couple of endings on some movies because I've not been able to go to work a couple days this week. Um, I haven't really seen much else other than what we were watching for mo uh, Movie Club. But I did uh, real quick see Avengers Endgame on opening night, and um, I loved it. My review will be up at uh, some point. I'm, I'm kind of slowly working on it. I've had, again, crazy week, um, but... Uh, is there anything you want to just throw out there that you saw? I am going to mention, I went to see La Llorona, oh. or however you pronounce it, last night. And we had to park, like, pretty far away from the theater because I forgot that Avengers then, came yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the hell is going on? I was, like, driving around, driving around. And then we had to park across the street behind, like, a restaurant. Oh. I mean... The movie was fine. I wish that they would just stop, and I'm making a pact now that I'm not seeing any more of the Conjuring films unless Patrick Wilson or Vera Farmiga are in them as the Warrens. So that means you have to see the new Annabelle movie this year. Um, yeah. But I, I find it very funny that my movie podcast co-host was unaware of the major <laughs> movie event, and more importantly, because I, I know your first defense will be that you don't care about the Marvel movies. I don't. But this Sunday, you're recording a top five podcast about your favorite Marvel moments. And so I know. I kind of shuddered when you said that because, okay, everybody, John's the best because I'm, I'm a little scatterbrained sometimes. And I feel like you're aware of that because you always remind us of our themes. 
true. And then it gives us a couple days, you know? And mm-hmm. as you said, I just, like, physically, like, oh, no. <laughs> I um, I was actually afraid of, of that particular top five list, not because um, I've seen every one of the Marvel films. I think I've seen all but three of them in the theater, um, three or four of them in the theater, like, uh, but thinking of those specific moments, most of them I've only seen once, um, maybe twice. Same. And so like, I had to really like sit and think, but once I started thinking, they just came to me. Um, and I, I mean, my, they're personal. They're not, you're not saying they're your best or the best. They, these are the ones that you like the most. They stood out for you the best. And Corey's initial defense about even doing this list was she's not a fan. I'm like, well, then it's still the, your least objectionable moments are what your top five are. <laughs> the five that didn't upset you are going to be what you pick. But um, yeah, that's a new episode of Top 5 Movies that will be coming out later uh, this week. Um, but now we are going to shift our focus um, to the movie of the week, Murphy's Romance. Um, and Murphy's Romance is... Uh, we picked it mainly, honestly, because we bought a box set that had this and um, Places in the Heart, which Places in the Heart won Sally Field her second Oscar for Best Actress. And so we needed that movie. This was on that box set. We both had to buy the box set. So we said, hey, why not add this to our list? Because neither one of us had seen it. Um, now, it doesn't have a critic score, but it does have a, a user score of a 7 out of 10. Um, it's listed as a comedy drama romance on IMDb. The plot synopsis is horribly long, but I'm going to read it anyways. Emma is a divorced woman with a teenage son who moves into a small town and tries to make a go of a horse ranch. Murphy is the widowed town druggist who steers business her way. Things are going along predictably until her ex-husband shows up, needing a place to stay. The three of them form an intricate circle with Emma's son liking Murphy but desperately wanting his father back. Holy cow, what a horrible synopsis. Holy shiitake is happening right now. More importantly, I do want to point out a very uh, shocking thing to me just from the get-go was Sally Field is the star. She is the Ah, Thank you! I know where you're going. Sorry. So the whole time that we were like getting ready to watch this, I kept assuming her name was Murphy because it's got to be her romance, but it's not about her romance. I, like, you would think that it's named after the, the like, lead. main character. Yeah, like, it'd be like <sighs> naming the first Iron Man movie, like, Pepper Potts. Like, no. <laughs> like it's, Emma's romance. Yeah, this is, uh, it should be Emma's romance or something like that. But um, James Garner plays Murphy. Uh, Brian Kerwin plays Bobby Moriarty, who is her ex-husband. Um, Corey Haim, which I'm going to go ahead and say this now, my favorite Corey Haim performance. Super subtle and not obnoxious at all. Um, I, I know that's not, not your... But, he, like, he is kind of in the background. and I, But I thought he played, like, the, you know, good kid. You know, he gets a I couple like of good realistic. scenes. it was realistic. It did feel realistic. Um, probably the most realistic part of the entire movie is the Corey Haim character. Um, and then it's directed by Martin Ritt. Um, I have not attempted to confirm if this was a theatrical movie or not. Um, I assumed oh. it was because of the uh, other um, movies on the box set are for sure. Like we have on this box set, Places in the Heart, one Oscar. Uh, My Best Friend's Wedding, not an Oscar movie, I don't think. But it had, you know, a very classic rom-com in a lot of ways. Um, and then uh, Steel Magnolia, which is going to have a re-release here in the next couple of weeks for its... Uh, anniversary i believe um oh i'm so excited for that yeah i'm, I'm hoping to catch that in, on the big screen even though i don't know right now if i'm emotionally ready for that movie um it has been a, a tough weekend um 
tough just like month this month has been brutal to be honest. oh my god somebody had tweeted that what a long month this week was and i have never identified so much with i concur i totally agree with that um i'm so like i'm like Done. yeah this week has just beaten me down um anyways uh not to not to make this a sad podcast but um murphy's romance uh now we've we picked these movies because of sally field's involvement i do want to point out though james garner is an actor that I keep, like, kind of rediscovering and always enjoying when he's in something. I haven't seen some of his big stuff. <coughs> Pardon me. Bless you. Um, I, I, I can't watch The Notebook. I, I just can't do it. Like, I've watched it. I, I've seen clips. I know what his role is in it. Um, I just I just have no interest in it. Um, but I really, really like... This is going kind of old school, but I'm a big fan of Maverick, the... It's him and Mel Gibson, um, like poking poker players in the old West. Like I don't know what it was when I was a kid. I just loved that movie, and I watched it like probably too much. And at some point, was carrying around a pack of cards because I, I, love I wanted to be a poker player. <laughs> like hearing all these things about you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I I saw it in the theater, but I went with like Dang. a friend, and then um, I was just so into it. Like I wasn't really into westerns. I did like Mel Gibson because I was a big Lethal Weapon fan, and this is long before his uh, anti-Semitic rant. Um, and he plays uh, the like the sheriff figure, and he's got the same type of charm. And you know, he's like the old wise guy um, in this movie, just like he is in in uh, Murphy's Romance. Um, and oh yeah, I always forget Jodie Foster is in Maverick as well. Um, and it's directed by Richard Donner. Like, it's just a solid movie. There's definitely some things that don't hold up because of, like, the, the Native Americans' portrayal. or Well, they kind of make a joke about that, too. I don't know. I have fond memories of him because of the movie Maverick. Um, and uh, so with Murphy's Romance, when I realized it was him, I got kind of excited because I really like his presence. I think he's really charming. He's got, like, an air of humor. Like, it's sarcasm, but it's not biting, and it's not, like silly it's just this kind of non it's not quite bill murray level sarcasm but it's in that same kind of vein of this dry wit that just clicks for me every time so i i ended up really enjoying him in the movie um but uh listeners if you've not heard how we do this we start with no spoilers and we move into spoilers um we'll give you plenty of notice before we do that but Corey, uh what did you think of murphy's romance overall um or anything that stood out in a positive way or a negative way. Um, it was fine. I wasn't blown away, and I didn't absolutely hate it. I laughed a few times. Yeah, not something I would actively seek out to watch again, though. <laughs> no, I, I'm a big rom com fan. Um, I, I this movie does some weird stuff. Like it uses montage way too much, and when I say montage here, I am referring to like. Hollywood montage, the uh, especially very popular in the 80s, where we just do a series of... It's a quick way of showing them doing something. So we get right away her moving into the place, and we get a montage of how bad this new ranch is that she's living on. Like, it is really bad, and we get this really kind of horrible 80s music. By the way, the, the soundtrack to this movie killed me. I, <laughs> you loved it. it you loved it so, so much. It was so annoying. It was so... <laughs> bad i'm gonna sound like a bad music fan but i'm not really that familiar with carly simon i know that she was 
a big deal and she's like a singer songwriter I guess but I don't really know a lot about her so I was like this is going to be interesting but what is it with the 70s and 80 movie 80s movies that they do that so much where they get like a very popular musician to do the whole damn soundtrack I don't know I I guess maybe I, I don't know maybe it was uh similar maybe Selling the same comp- well, same maybe the same companies owned the the record label and the, the the movie studio which isn't uncommon now but it's not as frequent okay. Um, okay. Like Sony, obviously Sony Pictures is very weird about their licensing to artists. Um, there was a whole thing. I I learned a lot about it during the uh, very bad movie Queen of the Damned. Um, because I don't even remember that movie except well, it's, Aaliyah. It's an Anne Rice thing. I don't remember the movie much other than uh, Jonathan Davis uh, was hired oh, yeah. to do the score or the soundtrack because the Lestat is a musician. So he wrote he writes all these songs, records them for the movie, but his company, which is Interscope Records, won't let him uh, be on Sony's soundtrack. So then he recruits other metal singers to replace his vocals for the soundtrack version. So in the movie, it's Jonathan Davis singing. In the soundtrack, you get David from Disturbed, Marilyn Manson um, from Marilyn Manson, uh, Chester from Linkin Park, I believe, Wayne Static from Static X. I think there might be one more. Um, and Sam Rivers from Limp Bizkit did the bass uh, for it. I was a big new metal fan in the, and kind of still am. Um, but so like I, that's where I first like heard about these label like kind of controlling the the soundtrack stuff. So it's very likely it has something to do with that. But that's um, fair. we get the inspirational, very stock inspirational music during the repair montage when she's fixing things. <laughs> And it's it's like it this was is, so eighties. Yeah, it's so eighties, and it's like the first fifteen minutes. I don't think there's a spoken word in the movie. It's just montage. It's like, look how bad it is. Well, okay, we'll make the best of it. Turn on the inspirational music, and then, um, God. there's a part. I I took a picture, um, because I was so, I was laughing. There's a scene where she's flying cars about her new ranch. And it, the camera pulls out to a wide shot, so you, like it's a crane shot where it pulls back and up, and it shows her like all these cars that she's done. But the cars are parked in the most like bullcrap, fake way yeah, imaginable. That's what I was thinking. I was like, there's no way, which I can't say that I haven't seen people very intelligently park like that before and had trouble getting out of a parking lot. But well, when you can tell this film is a fairly low budget, and you look at how the cars are parked and. It is literally, we need to get as many cars into a single shot as possible that, that she has flyered, and we only get this one crane shot because of the budget that we're on. So we got to park them, t- pack them tight, pack them as tight as we can. Doesn't matter if people will believe that anybody would park this way. Um, just get it done, and it's <laughs> They're so not bad. even in the spots. They're not in the spots. You can see the lines <laughs> that they're on top of. You sent me that. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. Well, it was, like, so weird, like, that whole part, because... There were, so I don't always notice, like, the technical or thing, you know, those types of things, but it, this shot was so weird because it, like, shows her doing this, and then all of a sudden she's on the street, and there are just cars lining each side of the street, like, regular parallel parking. Mm-hmm. It was just very strange. Yeah, it's, it is such a weird, like, like, okay, we get what you're trying to do, but man, could you not have done it in a less horrible looking way? But then we, uh, she meets, she goes to fly her car. And uh, he, she covers up his old car. It's, it's got, like, stickers on it. And he's like, hey, don't block my messages or whatever. And then we meet him. Uh, we meet Murphy very early in the movie. Um, 
and he runs what I what made me the most nostalgic. It reminded me of the Winter Haven Mall and that little store McCrory's, where it was like um like it was like a, a tiny Walmart with a diner inside of it, and like it just was this cool like little place where you go, you get your your prescriptions filled, and they have an ice cream counter, and they make sandwiches and stuff, and it's just like man. We don't really have stuff like that anymore because everything's been so consolidated into big business. So Walmart, yeah, or Target, or you know, the now defunct Kmart and whatnot. But um, yeah, I really liked his little shop. Um, I mean, there's not a lot to say about this movie because the plot is kind of ridiculous. But um, I don't. I, I also didn't hate it. Uh, I no. was frustrated with the music, and I thought it was just kind of weak I overall. felt like it it kind of didn't fit the movie either I don't know I'm not opposed to that that point um well yeah I guess because she's like a rancher yeah you kind and it's of like, expect, like Texas town and Texas town and they're they like both have square dances <laughs> they're they're liberal and then not liberal like like there's this air of like liberalism and then there's also this air of conservatism like you know, there's talk about guns, and then there's... Uh, but he's like, but our town's got a homosexual. And I'm like, well, that seems pretty open what? in 1985. Like, yeah. know, that's that's not something even now... Like, well, now it'd be wrong to say our town has a homosexual. But in 85, for them to, like, say it and it not be, like, this let's go get him type of thing, I was like, okay, where are they? Like, what fictional Texas town is this? Because, it, like, the he lists early on this, like, what they have. And, like, because she asked him about what is this town? And he gives her kind of like this answer. Um, oh, oh my God. So th- this, this scene is early, so it's not a spoiler and it has no bearing on the plot. It just kind of gives you a little bit of character that Murphy is used to getting his way. Um, because she goes to the, I, I guess it's like the government building. I don't know what to call it because she's trying to get some type of registration or something. And he shows up to pay his, uh, parking ticket. Because he keeps parking his car in front of his shop, and there is a meter there. And he refuses to pay the meter, because it's where he's always parked his car. And so he's paying the fine, rather than paying the meter, out of, like, you know, indignation. And the guy's, like, arguing with him. He's like, why don't you just put money in the meter? There's no reason for you to be getting these fines. And he's like, why don't you just replace the meter? We could put a tree there. And he lists all these reasons why the tree would be good. It'd be shady, and blah, blah, blah. And he says, and dogs would have somewhere to lift their leg. And sure enough... We later see the tree go up <laughs> instead of the parking meter, and they actually have a dog come and pee on the tree. And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like Chekhov's pissing dog is now a part of this movie. <laughs> like if you reference it in the first act, it has to pay off five minutes later, apparently, in this in this movie's <laughs> set of rules. So yeah, it was such. To me, it just kind of speaks to this the cheesiness that this movie delivers, but. I do like Murphy. Um, I still feel like this is supposed to be Emma's movie, and it, it does not feel like it's Emma's movie for large chunks. Um, like, because there's, there's, like, an ongoing joke with him about his age that he never will say it, and then when her husband shows up, we see what a jerk he is and kind of how much of a pushover Emma is because she just kind of lets him back into her life. It's not, like, a pushover in, like, a domestic violence sort of thing, which is why this movie stays light is he's as much of a jerk as he can be he's always kind of got like a smug like childlike you know impishness about him where it's not like this he's not like some evil guy who beats beats her or anything um 
that was at least not the impression that I got from him. It was more no. like he's just horrible, and like he'll run off and, and vanish, or he'll come home drunk. But he's like a goofy drunk. He's not so much a mean drunk. Even when there's a few moments of tension with Murphy, where I thought it was going to lead to a fight, it really doesn't because that's not his nature. He's not a fighter. He's more of a talk, you know, talk smart, be funny, you know, make somebody feel bad and hope that's enough so he can walk away. But um, I don't know. You got anything to say before we go into spoilers? No. All right, then, Corey. Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about Murphy's romance for like five minutes, <laughs> probably. And uh, spoilers, you've been warned. Yeah, this is. I'm having a hard time coming up with anything to talk about I this movie. I felt like this movie was long. It did feel long. It was under two hours, but it felt way longer than two hours. I, I was, was expecting like two hours and 13 minutes or something. Man. I don't know. Yeah. I laughed a few times. I, I, I didn't laugh as much as I normally. I love rom coms. Like, I am a sucker. I know you do, and I am. I don't. And this is. N I don't consider this a rom com. Like, other no. than IMDb telling me it is. I'm like, no. Because, one, the romance is such a late factor in the movie. Because. I don't feel like, like, we get illusions that Murphy is a player, that he's getting, like, all the women in the town are after him because he's a widow, or, is that the And right? they're, uh, he's a widower. Okay. And he, he said that there are, like, ten women to every man there, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. And so they're, they're, they're after him, and he, and it sounds like he doesn't actually do anything with them, he just kind of takes advantage of the free cooking. He... Well, I mean, it's company. I don't... Well, but he says that he does his, like... He implies he sleeps with a woman that's out of town. Because yeah. Because there's less gossip. So he's, like, getting that from somewhere else. In Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he's, yeah. like, getting the company and things like that. And, you know, making his schedule full so he's not alone and sad Only. and his wife's gone. Yeah. Because he doesn't have children, right? Uh, or he does. He has a but daughter. But they're grown. They're grown. Like, and they don't live there, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also want to say that there was... It's kind of like later in the movie, but it shows her husband's living there, and she's been inviting Murphy in for dinner, like, every night. And we... Montage of dinners? I hate that scene, because one of the later ones, because it felt like it went on for ten minutes, it, mm. like, it, well, there's just a point where I'm like, what? Is this, like, another night? It's when he says no, that he's not going to come in for dinner, and it's for the birthday party. Ah, yes, it's, um, it the felt surprise awkward. party. Well, yeah. so, that was, he's now done with her? Because of the, the, like, he's tired of being, like, the third wheel with the husband. Um, which is what she's, she clearly likes Murphy, but she also just wants to upset the ex-husband. And so she keeps inviting him in for dinner and dinner and dinner. And the guy's slowly getting agitated. Um, but I, my favorite scene, to jump a, back a bit, um, all of my favorite scenes involve the kid. Because I think Murphy's connection with the kid is my favorite part of the movie. Because um, he's kind of condescending to Emma at times. Like, he does help her. And, like, the scene where she's looking at the horses um, and he kind of sees that, oh, you really you really do know what you're doing. And he buys the horse for $1,000. And then he hires her to tra to break the horse or whatever. Um, I like that scene. That's the only scene where I feel like her character really gets to show that she's not just some, like, klut klutzy, ditzy woman. Um, which is a shame because Sally Field has proven m multiple times that she's really tough. And I don't think this character does her any justice. Um, not that the performance is bad. I, I just think the movie's written kind of poorly. Again, because I do feel like she's our protagonist. We meet her first. We see her meet Murphy. But the movie is called Murphy's Romance. And again, my favorite scenes do involve him. Um, uh, Corey Haim 
that's the right Corey, right? Corey Haim's character yeah. um, starts looking for work because he realizes they're really struggling for money. And so he goes to all these different places. He ends up at, at Murphy's place asking if he could wash the car. Murphy's like, nobody touches my car but me, but let's go take a look at it. And he gives them a, they drive around, they pick up an old guy. That seems funny because he's driving so slow and the old guy's like, 30. yeah, and the old guy's complaining about how fast it is. Um, like, Let me I, out. Yeah, that seems so crazy. Um, and then, but then he, he, when they get back to the store, he tells the kid, if you want to come wash dishes, I'll pay you like three bucks an hour to do it, which is, is only going to take like an hour probably to do it. So he's, because three bucks an hour, I think was a lot in 85. Um, but uh the kid's like great and we never see him actually do that job but we're it's the implication is that he's going to work with murphy then later the the scene i really like is when they go to the horror movie and murphy and the kid both don't like it and they leave and soon after emma joins but the conversation that they're having like murphy and the kid are having i really like that scene um and then you can tell murphy's really taken to the kid and i, I like that um you know, the kid looks up to him, but he does want his dad because it's his dad. But I think he, the kid kind of gets that his dad's not good news, but it's still his dad. You know, so there's that fighting that urge to. Uh, well, I didn't ever feel like he wanted his mom and his dad to be together, but he wanted his dad to be there. I exactly feel the same way. It was it, like he knew it was, wasn't good for his mom, but he was happy that his dad was around. Um, and. Uh, when the dad has the twins at the end, which kind of came out of nowhere. That was kind of gross, too, because, uh, I mean, she's, like, how old? Is she 33? 30? 33, I think. So I'm guessing he's about the same age, and this girl has these twins, and she's just turned 18. Yeah, and and Emma looks disgusted by that, too, which I do like that little comment. Um, but, uh, yeah, she, it... The one Emma has this one line I wrote in my notes. Uh, she's I'm 33 and I'm living like a nun when she's asking about a sex life and whatever. Um, I was just like, wow, that's pretty straightforward. Um, I'm looking to see if there's anything else that's like, oh man, let's talk about that. And then he ended up being 60, and I was like, gross. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know what? Okay. Um, yeah, he's 60. He's double her age. Yeah. Um, but clearly, she likes him regardless. Um, oh my god, did you notice when the de- the the ex-husband drives off with the twins that he's holding a twin while, while he's, he's driving? driving. Yeah. Oh my god, it I lost my mind. I don't care, it bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, what was the mother doing? Because I didn't see any car seats, and she drove there in that truck. Yeah, that's a valid point. Oh my god. So was she holding both babies while driving? She just had them strapped into a seatbelt. <laughs> Taught him how to drive young. I don't know. Sit on my lap. Hold the steering wheel. Um. Oh, so the music. I mentioned the really bad inspirational music uh, during the opening montage. It's not even that it's bad. It's just so like, st- like it's stock out of place. State stereotypical or tropish. Here, there when she's breaking the horse, his horse, and it's like another montage. It's like there's got to be like twenty montages in this movie. Um, when she's breaking the horse, the music's like seductive. <laughs> And it, it kind of bothered me because, like, he's watching her, like, break the horse. And you can just God. almost hear him be like, oh, yeah. like it, I'm out of here. The music no. is so not okay for that. How sequence. did I not notice that? Yeah. I I think you're just trying to drown it I, out. Well, and that's, I usually don't notice the music, but because it kept going with no dialogue. And I'm just like, oh, my God, how many freaking montages? Can we get a scene that has some substance? Because they talk. The dinner sequences are funny. But it's a, it literally montages into, Murph, 
chili and he like shuts the door and like he sells those scenes because of his reactions are always so kind of like he's getting he's like walking and he'll just like beeline you turn around and head to the house with any food she offers like so he makes them funny and she's sally field is charming so she's like her like requests for him to come are also well you know issued but man as far as like storytelling and just this movie in I, you general. Know, I, I'm wondering too, it's based on a novella, novella, novella ah, whatever. Right. So I wonder if maybe they rewrote it from maybe a different perspective. I don't know. I've never read this book and I'm probably never going to. Oh, okay. So like maybe the novella focused That's... on Murphy and they attempted to adapt it to, uh, to being about Emma, but they didn't do a solid job at doing that. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe uh, that, you know what? That would make me feel a little better about some of the choices, but I still think, I, I definitely think this is a skippable uh, Sally Field film. It's not one yeah. that you need I, to see. Uh, I'm not missing this, right? It says that it was nominated for two Oscars. Holy cow, are you serious? Another two Oscar nominee, Best Actor in a Leading Role, James Garner, and Best Cinematography? Well, that proves me... Uh, I'm happy to hear that because that means it is... That was Academy Awards. Um, well, that and means then... it did have a theatrical run, but... yeah. And then cinematography. I, I mean, it was 1985. I don't really know. I know, but Teen Wolf came out that year. Let's let's give Michael J. Fox the, you know. Um, what the hell? I, I love... am so baffled by this being an Oscar yeah, nomination. And best performance by an actress in a motion picture, comedy, or musical. Sally Field, this the was Golden, Golden Globes. Globes. And then best performance by an actor in a motion picture, comedy, or musical. I still don't... I mean, I laughed a few times... But and I know it wasn't a drama, but I just still don't feel like it was a comedy. It he James Garner was funny, um, but that's about it, and it's not substantial. Um, but that's dude, his dude, type of humor. Um, like, I wanted uh, to cut his hands off. Oh. Not James Garner, the husband, ex-husband, oh, yeah, yeah. who kept calling himself her husband. Yeah, totally. Like a, go ahead. No, total a hole. That's all I was gonna say. I would have slapped him but when he steals money out of her purse because we all know that he probably wasn't helping her at all with his son yeah most likely not uh you mean like child support and stuff yeah yeah no there's no way he's helping because um okay hold on i'm i'm struggling to find out which year the oscars oh 1986 yeah that's what it says but i'm looking at what was zero wins oh it was nominations okay yeah, it was nominations. That makes more sense. Because I'm like, I didn't see him as the winner when I'm looking at the 86 Oscars. So I'm like, hold up. Because the year before was Places in the, in the Heart where she is nominated. There it is. Okay, yeah. Um, he lost to William Hurt for Kiss of the Spider Woman, which I don't know. Uh, John Voight was also nominated, though. He's a little creepy. It, was, it does not appear to have been nominated for Best Picture, thank goodness, because that would have been um, too much for me. But... Okay, well, I got nothing else for this movie. Do you got anything else you want to say? Mm, no. You can skip it, like John said before. Yeah, so I'm going not a total waste of time um, for my rating. Um, Same. So we're keeping this simple. Sorry that it's a little shorter than normal, but uh, this is about we. Uh, this movie really, I didn't have much. There's not a lot here. It's pretty on the surface. Um, I'm sure if I knew a little more about like Texas in the 80s, maybe I could dig deeper into some of the the themes that are implied but i don't think so this movie isn't trying to do anything other than give you a decent performance from sally field a very solid performance from james is it james garner i keep forgetting this guy's name um 
and then uh, uh, you know kind of introduce Corey Haim because yes. this is like early for him, right? Like he he really comes around in like eighty six, eighty seven, right? With like I'm Lost Boys. Really sure. Well, he had. I'm really bad at the like the timeline of movies and stuff. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna look because you know what that we didn't talk much else about this stupid movie, so why not? Um, again, not it's not the worst. I've seen way worse movies, but it's just man, I, I'm and sure it, there's a better Sally Field film that we didn't see um, out there. Again, I picked this one. I think, um, or maybe you picked mm, this one, but we picked it because picked of the one. we picked it because of the box set though. This was not something either one of us was like, ooh, Murphy's Romance. Um, yeah, this is his fifth film it looks like uh but everything else is like not big name except for well, maybe he, silver bullet i freaking love silver bullet and i just rewatched it like a month or two ago and i still like it i don't care what anybody says so L- lucas 86 is going to be his first like bigger role than lost boys and then he starts to you know get into drugs because you know that's oh. what happens to child actors in the 80s um but yeah all right well that's our review of murphy's romance um this is the last movie for our uh, theme of the best actress goes to Sally Field. We'll be switching it up next month, and I will uh, reveal that right now. Um, this one, I, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a little more diverse. The last two months, we've been focused on actors. Um, this, We're going to f- move away from that. We're doing what we're calling Mint in Box. And these are movies that Corey and I own but haven't seen. Um individually at least and for a couple of them we we both own uh but this month coming up so the month of may we're going to be watching uh first network from i think 1979 i want to say 76 i was off by three years um we're going to be watching repo man from the 80s with um milio estevez and uh oh man what what can't name his name Corey? what's his name from paris Uh, texas No, 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 no. That's they did another Repo Man. Oh my God, I know who you're talking about, and I love him, Harry Dean Stanton. Yes, not we're not watching the recent Repo Man from uh, 2010 okay. with Jude Law. That's not the one we're talking. We're talking 1984 Repo Man, Harry <gasps> Dean Stanton, Emilio Estevez, um, and then we're watching uh, the French Connection, which God, I finally need to check that off my list. Dead Man, the Jim Jarmusch and Johnny Depp <laughs> collaboration. Uh, have you already film. seen that one? I have not, and I've been. Uh, I, I was working through Jarmusch's films, and I stopped when I realized this was on your list because we both bought the Criterion, and then um, Sunset Boulevard, a classic film that I've been meaning to watch, bought a while ago. I believe um, that was one of the framings of one of the FX special like miniseries, and I had not seen it, and I've been meaning to get to it for some time. So that's going to be the month of May. So our next episode will feature our review of Network. Uh, which we're actually going to be recording a little early, but it'll be there for you soon. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. Um, remember to go to BurkeReviews.com. You can read my reviews. Corey does a preview article uh, most months for what's coming out on Netflix, and I do a quick one for what's coming out on Prime. Uh, coming and going, to be more precise. Some things are leaving, some things are staying. Uh, rumors are circulating that Netflix is getting rid of friends in the office and people are losing their oh, minds. I thought that they had just released either for friends or the office. I, now that you said both, I can't remember that they're going to have it until at least 2021. Oh, well, I don't know. So, the article broke earlier today that I saw. So I didn't read it, but people were panicking and freaking out. 
could have even been an old article that just got you know traction online again uh that happens but um either way uh if you like what we're doing please go to itunes and or wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us it helps other people find our podcast and we could use the support um in the meantime keep watching movies this has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movie verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.